Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Powerful Youth Perspective, a STAR podcast, which stands for Stand Together Against Racism. My name is Maddie. Katie co-hosted this episode with me, so you'll hear from her soon. We sat down with Crystal Gilmore-Harris, who helped us start the STAR program. You'll hear her talk a little bit about that, as well as um, she's a cheerleading coach, so she talks a little bit about that, too. Um, We enjoyed a powerful discussion about race, women empowerment, how to speak your truth and help others do so as well. We had a blast and I'm so thankful to Crystal and Katie for joining me Um, and I hope you enjoy. And we're just going to get right into it. I'm going to ask the first question and Katie will follow. Okay. Hey guys, excited to be here. So, Crystal, can you introduce yourself and let us know how and why you became involved with STAR in the beginning? Hi, my name is Crystal Gilmore-Harris, and um, I was on the Voice Up board when we first decided to go ahead and move forward with STAR. Um, We thought it was appropriate, given the time of what was going on in the country with all the riots and all the protests. that the hard conversations needed to be had and why not us? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think at that point it was um, really crucial that we took those steps because Katie and I, as students, we needed somewhere to go and we, that we didn't have, we weren't in school. Um, other places weren't meeting in person and star became our outlet for that. Do you agree, Katie? Yeah. I would say that, In a weird way, even though there was so much planning behind everything we did, in a weird way, STAR sort of came about by accident. Like we didn't come in like expecting for us to make all the magic that we did. It just kind of happened. And I think that's one of the things that makes us the most special. Yes, because I know we didn't expect it to take off like it did. We thought we were just going to have kids for a few weeks, have those hard talks, share some valuable information. Um, share our feelings with each other because just as much as it was helping you, it was really helping us as well, especially me. Um, But you guys have been doing an amazing job and I am so very proud of you. If I haven't said that lately, I'm so very proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) But it's also like you guys too, without, we say it all the time, but without the platform for us to speak, no one really ever gave us that platform and to like amplify our voices and we would not be anywhere without the adults in the room. So thank you as well. Oh, you're so welcome. Yeah, that was, that was our goal. Our goal was really to just be just that the adults in the room pop in when we felt we needed to, but to really be there so that you felt comfortable having the open, hard conversations. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And now we get to Katie and I get to lead them, which is really cool (laughs) because which switch spots roles right yeah yeah katie you want to go ahead with the next one yeah all right so um crystal um i remember one of the first meetings that i joined was uh, a conversation of you sharing your life story and i remember that was actually the most inspiring zoom that i've been on just the way you speak it's just everything you say i could just like listen to you speak for hours to start this (laughs) and then i don't know i just so with this question it sort of brings back these memories, but um, what was your experience been like as an African-American woman in America? Um, Some things have changed. Some things have not. Um, And the have nots are things that I don't think will ever change because Mm 
not everyone in the world will change. I do think that some people are, uh, how do I want to say, some people are paying more attention to what is really going on and they're not being silent about it. That has changed. Um, and that's very important because it just can't be me as an African-American, African-American woman talking about what's going on in my world. Right. Because it sounds like I'm a broken record. But when mm-hmm. another minority steps in and says, I'm standing beside her because I hear her, I feel her and I understand what she's going through. She then brings 10 people with her. And then the next person brings 10 people with her. So it starts to grow outside of you. And then you mm-hmm. might be the only black woman in the room, but it feels good to be the only black woman in the room where everybody understands you and yeah. they feel passion and your concern. And it now has become their passion and their concern. Something that hasn't changed is, um, just watching how things go, um, how certain people get a pass and certain people do not. Like mm-hmm. for the view, perfect timing, for the view, for example, Megan would say all kinds of crazy things and she would just kind of get her hand slapped and told she should be quiet. Whoopi made a comment and she suspended for two weeks. So the double standards are still there in this country. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They still exist. Um, but one day, one step at a time we're, we're, I, I pray that we're moving in the right direction. And with young people like you, I know sooner or later we will get it right for everyone, for every nationality that struggles with, um, being left behind. Yeah. Um, how do you think some people, how do you, th- where do you think the line is drawn for, you know, speaking up and not remaining silent, but then you know, talking over the people who have actually had the experiences and making your opinion the opinion of an entire race. Like, how does how does someone not cross that line? It's hard. Um, and I think it's hard because if, if you're actually not living it, the only example you have is living it through that person. You're sharing their experience. So it, it appears that you've taken over their voice and you're speaking for them, but that's the only way you can get people to understand because you're saying, listen, this is what I've heard someone say that I know is telling me what's really going on. So right. you have to share it. So you almost have to take over my voice. But as long as you remember that I still need to share my voice as well, because as you said, things change, people change. Um, Mm -hmm. Like now I kind of chuckle because it's okay to have a protest about wearing a mask that could save lives, but it wasn't okay to have a protest about people who lost their lives. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So if there, if you are comfortable, is there an encounter of racism that you would be willing to share? Maybe when things, something that hasn't changed, like you had mentioned, that has stayed the same that we haven't gotten to fixing yet? Um, and how did that most impact you? Um, I, you know, I really can't think of anything that has happened recently. Um, the only thing that I could think of is, uh, <laughs> it's crazy, crazy. Walmart, walking out of Walmart, everyone in front of me was able to just go ahead and not show their receipt. But once I got to where the checkout was, to go out the door, the lady wanted my receipt. Now, normally I just, I chuckle and I laugh, but I said to her, you know, that that's really nice of you to make sure that I wasn't stealing, but everyone in front of me had like carts full 
and you just let them go. And her face got really red and she just looked at me and said, just give me my receipt. And that's not normally how I act, but Mm. it was so noticeable because she has this kind of weight. Like she was just going, waving her hand at everybody. And then I got up there and she was like, your receipt, please. And, And I had the least amount. And I'm thinking, you know, could I make a big deal out of this? It was racism. Maybe not. Maybe, maybe I just look suspicious that day. I don't know. Um, but those kind of things still occur. And, and, and like I said, those are the things that will never change because the stereotype is out there, period. You know, we commit more crime. We steal, we, we do this, we do that. So when you're in a room, you have to kind of allow those things to occur without overreacting. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, watch the news. That's how they make it sound. If you pay attention to the news, when a black person commits a crime, they have a picture of that black person. When a white person commits a crime, they don't have any photos of them yet. They've been arrested. So if they've been arrested, there is a photo of them. So watching TV, the only faces you see are people of color. So in your mind, they're the only people committing the crimes. Right. Or if you ever see like footage of, you know, the white person committing the crime versus the black person, it's like the white person in court wearing yes. a suit and wearing. looking like, like he's the innocent, like victim. Right. And then mm-hmm. you see the African-American man and he's like in the jumpsuit or it's like this mugshot as opposed to, you know, always starting with um, prospects of potentially being a drug dealer. And then, right. you know, you hear a story about a white person and it's like, they were a student and they were all this. And, Suddenly you get this background story that both the white and the black person might have had, except only the white person is able to have that story written about exactly. them. Exactly. Yeah. It, it's, it's only shared. And, and then I feel like sometimes they're so focused on telling me everything that that person did do because they have to make sure you understand that this person was violent, that this person was basically the scum of the earth. So anything we're accusing them of, they have to be guilty of. Right. Yeah. Do you think that that stereotype will ever go away? Or do you think that it is so deeply ingrained? It's so deeply ingrained. It will never go away. Unfortunately, um, the only thing, the only thing that has a chance of it happening is uh, the world is becoming like a melting pot. Hmm. Like soon there will be no one race because the world is becoming a melting pot. So many people have interracial marriages now that there's not going to be a one single race. So the people that are holding off and fighting it and fighting it and fighting it, they're soon gonna be. So until that really happens, I don't think it will change. You know, and then some people just have to have something they're miserable about. So when you have to have something that you're miserable about, why not make it about race? There will always be stereotypes. There's nothing we can do to change it. I mean, um, I was having a conversation with my sister today, like on our jobs, we work 10 times as hard as the next person because as a black woman, we have to prove that we belong there. We don't, right. we don't want to ever be in the situation where somebody is saying, well, you weren't doing what you were supposed to do, or you weren't doing it to the fullest of your ability. We have to prove that we belong there. So we are working 10 times as hard as everyone around us to make sure that we're always on top of everything, sometimes to the point where we drive ourselves crazy. Right. That's a heavy burden to carry that you always have to be outperforming other Mm -hmm. people because of just simply the way 
that one looks, it's, it's not fair. But you acknowledging that you know it's there and it's not fair. For me, as a Black woman, you're my hero. Okay, because you're allowing me to know that what I see and what I believe is going on in this world is truly happening. Mm -hmm. Because that's another thing that is hard to swallow when people you've grown up with. Like, I, I feel like I over the four years when all the craziness was happening, I felt like people that I went to school with that I, I ate dinner at their houses. I spent time with them. They weren't the people that I really knew because of the way they were talking and acting. They were more concerned about a building that had insurance burning down than a man who had someone's knee on his neck for nine minutes and 25 seconds. So you are my hero because you are allowing me to understand, yes, this is really happening around you, but yes, there is a change coming. Mm-hmm. You're, you're a part of that change. You're creating that space. You're creating those hard conversations because see now you're having them at your dinner table instead of me having it at my dinner table where we're all in agreement, this is happening. You're having it at your mm-hmm. dinner table. I can't remember, but someone was saying that some of the topics they really couldn't talk about with their family members because they already knew how their family felt. When yeah. we first heard it, remember that? Somebody was saying that they didn't know if they could go home and even have these conversations but you're starting the conversation. And when you have a conversation in a private setting like that, it allows a person to really go over in their head what is going on versus just having their normal opinion because they're in the moment and there's certain people around them that they don't want to upset. Right. Yeah. Um, go ahead, Katie. I don't want to steal your question. <laughs> um, yeah, I just want to add on to that quickly. Um, yeah, I feel like as people of color, as women in general, I feel like we're always, not, not only do we always feel like we need to be on, but we always feel like we're being gaslit. Like yes. what we're feeling isn't real. Like I remember in the past, I've experienced um, like situations where I thought something was racist, but I was automatically even gaslighting myself thinking like, oh no, like I'm right. just probably being paranoid. And I right. feel like people fail to like believe themselves sometimes because we're constantly told by society like oh you're playing the race card again or stuff like that you know but yeah and I think that is also another time where sometimes we feel like we're being we need to make ourselves smaller I guess because Mm -hmm. we need to like like shut our opinions out and Mm -hmm. make ourselves smaller to make other people or to be palatable for other people I guess right 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 yeah I was just going to say, I'm not a woman of color, but I am a woman and I can um, relate, I guess, to the part about making yourself smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just thinking this the other day. So the gym is very male dominant. Sometimes mm-hmm. I look around mm-hmm. and I'm the only woman who's not on a treadmill. And it's sometimes it's really frustrating. And I think, do I belong here? Like, do am I supposed to be taking up this space like? Would this guy over here, this huge guy who's like lifting a ton of weight, like, does he need this whatever more than I do? Mm. And so I have to remind myself I belong here. Like I'm allowed to be here just as much as he is. I pay mm-hmm. the same amount as he does to be here. Right. There's no reason I need to make myself smaller or question myself. Really, that in a nutshell is what it is. Do I belong here? Should I be sitting at this table? You know? 
So even though you have those gut feelings, you've got to stick it out because you know, if you back away from the table, how's anybody else going to get in to sit at the table? Right. No one else is going to stick up for you. So going to stick up for you. Um, So speaking of the fight that women have to fight all the time of trying to minimize themselves, trying to, you know, make themselves feel smaller to make others feel comfortable. How do you empower young girls to be their best selves as a cheerleading coach, as an activist, as like an active member of your community? I'm honest. Um, I, I tell them right away that they need to stay focused and they need to make themselves known and seen in the room. You can't be quiet if you're going to be in the room. I try to put them in situations while they're under me as a coach, where they have to, where they have to learn how to talk, socialize, and deal with people of all walks of life. So when they leave me, they're prepared for that world. It's not culture shock for them. They understand. I also remind them that if not you, then who? Because that's a really great statement. If not you, then who? You can't sit at home and complain that you haven't had these opportunities if you don't take advantage of them. Also remind them that they have younger siblings. And if you don't open the door now, the door will keep closing tighter and tighter and tighter. So we've got to make a statement and we've got to move forward. Um, I spend a lot of time at practice sometimes just going off on a tangent or, or my, my talks. And at the end of my talks, they all just look at me and they go, you know what, coach, that was a long one, but we get it. Like we, <laughs> <laughs> we truly, truly get it. Um, because you have to, if you're going to be someone who's supposed to be walking as a woman of power, you have to empower the women around you. And I feel like that God blessed me with this job at Reading High to do just that because I was going to retire. When my daughter was done with cheerleading in 2007, I was like, oh, forget this. I'm done. And I worked with a woman who was a Reading High fan and she kept saying, we need a cheerleading coach. I go, that's really nice. I hope you find <laughs> She goes, no, but I'm telling you because you're the cheerleading coach. We need you. And I was like, no, I don't think this is a job for me. But in turn, it was the path that God actually set up for me that I was unaware of. And it has given me the platform to, um, to inspire young women to just be who they are. Um, and to know that it's okay. It's okay to rock your natural hair and not worry about what people are thinking about you. It's okay not to put on any makeup and just show up as you are and not worry what people think about you. Uh, Jada, she was on our very first call. She is a student at Lincoln. And while at Reading, she struggled as a black woman, but as a student at Lincoln, she is so powerful. I just, I like, I'm burning inside waiting to see what Jada Thompson is gonna do because That was what she needed. And she will say, had she not seen people like us as her coaches, she doesn't know that she would have went to Lincoln to truly find who she was. So I think you just have to keep pouring it into them and you have to keep reminding them how important they are because they're very important. And uh, like if black women wouldn't have voted the last couple of times, things would have gone a lot different. Mm -hmm. So your power is there. You just have to use your voice to remind people that your power is there. Yeah, their voice matters and should be heard and deserves to be heard. And it deserves and it deserves to be heard. Yeah, that's pretty incredible work. I really admire you for that. So thank you. 
Thank you. Thank you. Katie, anything to add? Not to put you on the spot, but any closing <laughs> thoughts, Katie? Um, just, I know you said a little bit about make people feel, make girls in particular, make them feel important. Um, give them that platform. Uh, just one last thought. Is there anything that we can do as allies to support not only those girls, but to support you in this mission? Um, you're doing what you're doing right now is one of the most powerful things you could possibly be doing. But as young women who are at Wilson and why I'm missing, when you hear the stereotypes about the girls at Reading, say to them, have you actually sat down and talked to them? They're pretty amazing because your voice is now our voice and it's powerful on our behalf. And we can't do it without you because we've been trying and we've been trying and we've been trying and we can't do it without you. I think of poor Kamala Harris right now. Ever since she's been elected, we haven't even seen her. We don't even know where she's at, but she was going to be our voice. So sometimes even though we get the seat at the table, the table shrinks and keeps us in a corner, mm -hmm. but maybe not for you. So you're that vision you're seeing the vision for us through your eyes. So you're leading us through that, that little narrow tunnel that they've given us to make mm -hmm. sure that it opens up more and more and more. Because the more you talk, the more people are listening. And the more people listen, the more they will be accepted of who we are as, as African-American women who just want the same that everyone else has. Yeah. I think about that door example you said, holding... Maybe we're holding the door for you guys to march yep. through. Keep speaking yep. up and keep speaking up. Thank you so much, Crystal. Oh. We are so oh. grateful. Thank you Thank guys. You so much. Please continue to be successful. I'm looking forward to what you guys are going to be doing as well in the future. This, um, the star program is so powerful and I'm, I'm just happy that I was a little small piece of it at the very beginning, but you guys are continuing and, Never thought it would be here, but I am so very proud of you all. Outstanding job. And that is all I have for you today. Thank you for listening. And thank you to Katie and Crystal. Shout out to you guys for working with me on this one. Um, this episode was full of just positive takeaways and, and things to keep in mind moving forward. For me, that was um, Crystal's quote of, if you want to walk as a, a woman in power, you have to empower the women around you. Uh, I think that's so true, and I will keep that in mind, making sure those around me feel seen and heard. Um, I think that's really powerful and can take us a long way. If that was your takeaway or something else, Crystal had a lot of powerful teaching moments, so... Pick a takeaway and take that with you. Uh, until our next episode, you can follow us on Instagram at yvc.star and check out our website, yvc-star.org, to see all of our projects. Um, that's all I have for you today. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk soon.